Hey, welcome to the Happy Ramp Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined as always in studio by my good friends, my partners in radio, Barnabas Piper and Ron Martin. Boys, we have a very special app this morning in that we have an all-listener submitted questions app. Shout out our listeners, the best listeners in radio. Uh, are they the most listeners in radio? Not exactly. Do I wish there were a few more? I do. Um, but I'm thankful for the ones that we do have, Piper. Uh, they are the loyal ones, and uh, this episode is for them. Uh, but before we get into that, Pipe, uh, tell us about our sponsor. Yeah, our sponsor, as it has been for some time now, is Dwell Bible App. It's an audio Bible app. Um, it's a subscription-based thing. So if you go to dwellapp.io slash happyrant, you can see the special offer they have for you. It's 10% off of their annual subscription or 33% off a lifetime subscription. And what you get out of that is access to, um, apparently Ted is collapsing out of his chairs. Right <laughs> Baby, are there. you okay? We're nervous right so, now. Yeah, I'm fine boys. Um, just I stunned by the discounts. KK call 911. <laughs> yeah. I, I share a studio with my sons who, uh, also use my studio to play video games and they left a lot of their stuff laying around like, uh, video game boxes and controllers and i just knocked one off the desk okay so, oh good so um, little peek behind the curtain death of ted yeah it's not all glitz and glamour over here boys you know i know well, we we make it look that way but ted if you're feeling anxious after that scary moment uh dwell does have some some playlists for you to soothe your soul so that's one Baby, of the things don't i know it i've 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 hit the they have one called like i'm feeling glum or something and i think that's my <laughs> That's probably it's, my favorite. It's quite literally a hat tip to you two. You two Enneagram 4. I'll take it. I'll take it. But yeah, so Dwell has playlists. They have multiple versions, multiple narrators. You can get you can uh you can really engage scripture in whatever way fits your availability, your lifestyle, whatever it is. So again, go to dwellapp.io slash happy rant. Uh check out their discounts, check out the app. It is well worth your time and your money. I would encourage you to do that ASAP. Piper, excellent work, as always. Um, boys, let's get into these questions. These are really good. Uh, the first one here is one that I think uh, probably we we all deal with in some form or fashion, and it's this. How do you keep your sarcasm about things pertaining to the faith from becoming cynicism? Is there a line that you won't cross? So how do you keep your sarcasm about things pertaining to the faith from becoming cynicism? Is there a line that you won't cross? Uh, Piper, I think you and I are probably further along on the sarcasm <laughs> spectrum than Ronald. Um, I don't know what spectrum he's on, but uh, we're, we're on this one for sure. How do you deal with this? This is probably going to sound counterintuitive and or like I'm completely rationalizing. So if it is, call BS on me. Um, mm -hmm. Sarcasm used judiciously actually keeps me from cynicism. Oh, interesting. Explain. If I can make a joke about something, if I can sort of point out the quirkiness in something, if I can keep it at the level of sort of levity, Mm -hmm. which is how I like to use sarcasm. I'm not that interested in using sarcasm to destroy. I certainly have done that. It's certainly a weakness of mine. Yeah. I, you know, but it feels disgusting at this point in my life. I don't love, I don't love that aspect of myself uh, sure. or that. So if I can keep it at the level of, of joke, it keeps yeah. me from getting furious. 
Okay. You know, or disgusted to the point of like, you know, all I want to do is, is complain and tear this thing down and, you know, turn away from this aspect of the church. You know, there are whole camps within evangelicalism that if I let myself would just rankle me to the point of like losing my temper. It's yeah. But if I can joke about it, it's actually better for my spiritual and mental health. And, and I do think there's an aspect of humor that kind of calls out the nonsense without Mm -hmm. picking a fight with the nonsense, which I think is what we try to do on this show. At least that's, you know, as much as we have an aim, that's one of them. So that's for me that I think that's kind of how I, how I navigate this sarcasm versus cynicism. Yeah, that's good. I I think for me, and I will want to hear Ronald on this. I used to navigate it really poorly. Um, In fact, like cynicism was a way of life for me, you know, 15, 20 years ago, early career me, um, you know, really bad for my heart, really heart hardening. Um, honestly, probably bad for the churches that I was a part of, because I think I would, I would see things that frustrated me. For example, one would be like, um, the, the reform gestation period being like six months and babies just flying out of people, you know, left and right. (laughs) And we were struggling with infertility and, um, yeah, instead of seeing that as something that the Lord gave us um, to refine us and ultimately he would bless us through it, um, you know, I just, I kind of went inward and hardened my heart, got cynical. Um, there were a lot of jokes. A lot of people thought I was funny, but um, at the end of the day, it was not doing anything for me or for my church and apologies to my church at that time. That was not a great period for me, but, um, but yeah, I think just being, being open to, to hearing this rebuke and applying it to myself has been good. And, um, yeah, obviously like we still see things, we still see things that are funny. We still comment on them, but, um, not in a way that kind of fuels the fire of cynicism, I hope. And, um, I, I just think, I think comedy in the culture has changed too. You know, I think when we were growing up and when we were young adults, like cynicism was the brand of comedy and now comedy has sort of followed culture down the path of virtue signaling where you have to like constantly be checking the cultural temperature and make sure that you're like looking like a big sweetie on all these issues, which is why it wouldn't be any fun to be like a a late night talk show host anymore. Right. I used to think that would be the funnest job, but it wouldn't. Yeah. Humor. I feel like used to also kind of sit outside of culture. So, mm-hmm. you know, like what was, what were George Carlin's politics? What was Richard oh, Pryor's politics? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I just know he made exactly. fun of stuff and it was exactly. funny. And, uh, and now it's, you know, politics have to take it or I'm sorry, comedy has to take a side of politics of totally whatever, you know, whichever side of the, the liberal conservative spectrum you're trying to like, I've, I have decided I'm going to piss those people off and I'm going to yeah. side with these people. And so, yeah, which is both, it's, it's a little bit less funny and, uh, yeah. definitely more, it's, it's cynical towards at least half the population at any given time. Mm, totally. And it's way less funny. Ronald, where are you at on, uh, on sarcasm and cynicism? Man, I actually, I thought this was such a great question, man. I think you, I like mm-hmm. your guys' answers too. I think they're really good. I think, um, I don't know. I, the way I, I, I process it is sarcasm 
is looking is is looking at the ridiculousness of the world and the things around us without losing hope um mm-hmm. and kind of calling out sort of the exaggerated you know some of the exaggerated like silliness that can you know that can make it up and then um and then uh, cynicism is when is is sort of sarcasm with without without thinking there's any sort of redemptive or or hopeful end yeah. To the things that mm. that we are that we are allowing to shape us, you know, and so I, I there there is a fine line for sure, and I think you know we've probably crossed the line, you know, more than a few times. I mean, I do, you know, I mean, but mm. um, but yeah, I think sarcasm to me is satire. It's you know satirical in the sense that man, you look at something and you go, that is so re- just redonkulous, you know, in so many different mm. ways, and it's it's kind of seeing, it's kind of like what Pipe said, it's. It's being able to locate the ridiculousness of something to the point that um, the truth of it shines a little bit brighter, and maybe the hopeful aspect of it um, sticks out a little further. So I think I think sarcasm in that way, like Pipe said, can really help. Cynicism is when you are just saying, "Nope, it, it's all corrupt. There is no redemptive quality to anything," um, and basically, you know, Jesus Christ has not been resurrected ultimately, ultimately, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's a fine line. I think we, I think Mm -hmm. just like the recognition of it, I think is what will help, you know, keep us, you know, sarcastic and satirical without becoming cynical because like, we don't want, like what I tell people when they talk to me about this program is I, I say, no, 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 it's not. Like it's not cynical. It, it it probably leans into some of those areas a little too far on occasion, but it really is mm-hmm. meant to be more satirical and sarcastic than cynical. Baby, do people talk to you about the program a lot? Um, I mean, I don't know what a lot is, but mm-hmm. you know, like they they like to talk about what it is that we're doing, sort of conceptually what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. Like I, yeah. I was at TGC yeah. last week. I had I had a bunch of conversations with guys that just recognized me from, from the rant and we got to talk about it and Mm. it was actually really fun. And it was fun. What was really cool about it was they get that, you know, they Uh get that aspect of it. Like, Hey, you guys don't take yourself seriously. You're being sarcastic and satirical, but, but yeah, but we don't hear this sort of like hopeless, you know, it's, it's all going to hell in a handbasket kind Mm -hmm. of like, kind of like heart behind it at all. And I said, well, that's good. I go, because I don't, I don't think that's the heart. We're going to struggle as human beings with some of those things, but that that's For that's sure. not the intention behind it at all. Yeah, well, so. And I think I think sarcasm, like any joke, the question is: as is it at somebody's expense or not? For sure. And so, you know, humor can one hundred percent be at somebody's expense. And I heard somebody say like every joke is at somebody's expense, which is absolute garbage. It's just not. Yeah. You know, because if we're <laughs> laughing with each other about something that we just did, both of us are yeah. being lifted up. Nobody is being torn down. And uh, sarcasm can be it's it's an expression of humor. It's not an inherently immoral thing. Uh, and so one of the things we are terrible at as a conservative church is laughing at ourselves. Self-deprecation, right. not a strong suit in the in white reformdom, <laughs> not a thing we're great at. And so sarcasm i think as we try to use it actually pushes cynicism away because it's like guys we do some inane things we have some crazy cultural habits in the church we we write ridiculous books we say ridiculous things you know ronnie's use of the word satire is spot on just the way that we uh the way that we on the show try to kind of play way up some of the absurd to kind of draw it out and be like look 
It's, Mm -hmm. you know, good. Another book on the role of women by a white middle-aged man. That's what we needed. Um, Which is those kinds of shout out white middle-aged men. Yeah. I mean, which is a decent chunk of our listeners. And uh, so, yes, thank you for writing those books. You're all doing us a great service, especially the women. (laughs) Um, That I think that aspect of sarcasm actually keeps cynicism at bay. It, it, keeps us lighthearted in a world of of the church where it's so easy to get bogged down and did you see what so and so said i can't believe this happened and all of which is true but also sometimes you just got to laugh at it it's and and kind of poke at it a little bit and be like look but also it's kind of kind of silly kind of ridiculous mhm yeah for sure baby you dealt with a little bit of the fame of the rant on the road last week at TGC it sounds like didn't you it's tough, isn't it? Oh, it's tough. I mean, do you have trouble? Guys, it was just tough. trouble moving around. You know, yeah. I, the masks help. And I do a double mask, so I sure. put one over my eyes, too, to make sure that I can actually yeah. walk through the bookstore, just even make it. I just actually put a bag over my I head. I mean, I need to make it at least three or five feet without getting stopped, boys. I mean, I, that's, that's kind of goal. a metaphor for this podcast as a whole, just a mask over the mouth <laughs> and the eyes. Mm. Oh, yeah. that's good, Pipe. That's I don't, deep. Really I don't understand means, it, but it, but it's it seems Yeah, yeah. It seems fitting. Say. It's nonsensical, but I do like it. <laughs> Um, boys, I've got a completely different question, different type of question. This one seems very pointed. Um, and it's as follows. Do you know any single Christian guys that aren't (laughs) a-holes? Now, here's the question again. Do you know any single Christian guys that aren't a-holes? I had an idea. I had a business idea about a year ago where I wanted to, I wanted to set up a happy rant dating service similar to Christian Mingle. And I think it would have rained cashish and we would have been in the business of bringing listeners together. That's what I think this is getting at. Uh, but it's getting at a deeper question, which is there seem to be more great Christian women in our churches that are single than Christian men that are single. Uh, my question for you, men of the cloth is twofold. A, do you see this? And B, why do you think it is? And I guess C, the original question, do you know any good single Christian dudes? Um, Ronald, we'll start with you. Yeah. Uh, gosh, man. <laughs> I mean, dude, what a, that, it's a little tricky, right? I'm thinking of a couple of dudes at our church that are like super awesome stand-up dudes. I don't, I mean, I'm doing the same thing. I dig them. Yeah. I mean, they're not, yeah. they're, they're the least jerky dudes I've ever known in my life, to be quite honest. Right. And, um, uh, yeah. So I, man, I don't know. There must be some stereotype with that, that, um, I, maybe I'm not, there's some stereotype with that, that I'm not really, I'm not really getting. So I don't know. Yeah. 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 Oh, I can, I can give you a couple of the categories of a-hole that this, um, this particular listener, I won't name her because she, yeah, she's a dedicated listener and for her sake, if she was to meet a guy, I wouldn't want there to be like, Oh, you're the one who thinks Christian single guys are a-holes. Um, uh-huh. so it was a great question though. So a couple categories, one, there's the, there's just like the adult adolescent, so like the 28-year-old okay. guy who probably has a decent job, makes money, but just does nothing. He's a complete waste of space <laughs> in the church, in, you know, and this isn't the like parents' basement guy. This is the like, yeah. w- you you don't do anything. You don't offer uh-huh. anything. You contribute nothing. And your, your, you know, your idea of commitment is like, I do CrossFit and that's it. <laughs> you know, like you're committed to your gym and yeah. to no humans. Um, there's another version of single Christian guy who is kind of culturally Christian, but like his sexual ethic and what he expects out of a relationship is, uh, not any different than what you'd meet at a bar. 
There's mm-hmm. a version of single Christian guy who who has been reading too many of those uh, books about roles of men and women by middle-aged white guys and is really certain that he's ready to be the head of a household at, you know, 27 and <laughs> never having been in a serious relationship. Um, uh-huh. So there's, like, there's, there's a couple, there's a few different brands of this. The waste of space yeah. guy, I think, is the most common. Hmm. Yeah, I I would agree, but but I'm I'm with Ronald in like I'm thinking about our church because it's impossible to like you know consider this question and not think of your own church. And we have a yeah a handful of like really great quality dudes who are serving the church. They have vibrant like lives of the mind, and uh, yeah, it's a head scratcher. You wonder why these guys are still single, but um, this is coming from like. An a-hole who's been married for 25 years. So it can go the other way, too. Like, yeah, I guess that's another question. Just, Do you know any married Christian guys? Well, that was going to be... That, I mean, dude, yeah. I know I know plenty of questionable married dudes. So, yeah, that there, oh, for there's, sure. a high, yeah. there's a high YES Myself on that included. one. You know? Yeah, yeah, there there is. I, I do know this, though, and tell me if you've seen this phenomenon. And we probably can't talk about this. Never mind. I don't know. I, I've, I've just seen... I'll try That's to frame it in a way... That's never stopped us before, so go yeah, for it. I'll try to frame it in a way that doesn't make me sound like the worst. Um, if you're a Christian guy and you hang around long enough, like you'll you'll probably end up with a smoke. You know what I mean? Where you see these Christian guys <laughs> who are like very average looking, average to bad looking, and just by nature of like the numbers game of the church. You know what I mean? Cut this out. I sound terrible. <laughs> Um, but it's a real thing and I'm, I'm, I'm sticking with it. So it, the, uh, fl- moving flip on this, boys, flip, flip side of this. Let's, uh, Cause let's we can't, throw... it's 2021. We can't talk about the attractiveness of anyone. Anymore. No, we can't. We can't we, that's it. comparative and derogatory. Also, uh, let me throw some single guys under the bus again, because okay. and then just back the bus over them. Um, a huge number of Christian single men are under the impression that they should be meeting and marrying like a fully formed um, woman of God who they view as a 10 out of 10 on the attractiveness scale. So everything about like, there is no sense of this woman is going to grow into anything. She is also like me on some trajectory. Mm -hmm. Like, Oh, she doesn't meet all 72 criteria, 75 theses of, of uh, criteria that I have laid (laughs) out. She has to be perfect immediately. Yeah. Meanwhile, I, I get my whole life. Ninety-five to theses deal with my of perfect issue. woman, and she meets like sixty-two yeah. of them. This is she's right. she's not it. You know, she's an inch too short. Her eyes are a shade too green, and also, you know, dude. So my question to you is like somewhat serious question. Where does that mentality come from? Because it's not like these guys are like Tom Brady. They, they don't you know what I mean? I like theses of anything. Exactly. Um, yeah that that would that would presuppose that they view themselves as like you know, male model meets like uh world famous theologian. I don't know. And that's not the case. So <laughs> oh, I, like, where's I, that, where's that mentality coming from? Oh, I, I think a lack of self-awareness is a big piece of it. I think they might yeah. actually view themselves as male model meets, you know, DA Carson level theology. I think in right. their minds, they have so much to offer. And, yeah. uh, and I, <laughs> when you're walking into a relationship thinking I have so much to offer, it might not be the best foot to start out on. Um, yeah, that's fascinating. There's a difference I between wish- like having enough self-confidence to ask somebody out and yeah. having enough self-confidence to think I'm blessing you by asking you out. And those oh. are, I think a lot of guys kind of fall into the second category. Fascinating. 
There's also just a lot of guys who won't ask anybody out, like decent dudes who probably just need some steel in their spine to be like the cost of asking somebody out and being being shot down or it not going great is relatively low. But you got to try like just put put yourself on the line, bud. Yeah, exactly. And I agree. You don't see a whole lot of that anymore. And that's uh, that's a shame. Um, All right. Next question. What is a current pet peeve of ours? What is a current pet peeve of ours? Uh, so in, Ron, individually, I'm assuming each of us could just get to get <laughs> yeah, individually. We just okay. <laughs> yeah, we, we don't have <laughs> to think it through as a, dudes, as a program. Um, yeah, as a, as a company. Um, individual pet peeves. Uh, Ronald, do you have one dialed up? Oh, dude. <laughs> oh, I dude. knew that was where this one was going. It's unbelievable, yeah, yeah. man. Uh, like, like I just have like a like a list of these things in my back pocket. Oh, let me just grab my pet peeve list. Here's a pet peeve of Ronnie's. Any direct question? That is, there you go. That is my pet. <laughs> Any peeve. question that says pick one thing. Oh, right, God. right. What's your, what's your favorite band right now? It's like I it puts me back in when I was like <laughs> seventh grade. You know, like what's your favorite movie? It's always dude, right. Like, <laughs> why do people ask that to adults? You know what I mean? Like, what's your favorite band right it's like, now? It's like, dude, I don't, I haven't listened. That's a ridiculous. I haven't listened yeah. to a band in like 20 years. What are you <laughs> right. talking about? You know? Right. Um, I think, no, I think we did just nail Ronnie's pet peeve. And it's the question of like, pick the best of favorite of anything. <sighs> yeah. I don't know. It's like, I, I don't I, like, I love speaking just sort of in the moment and on my feet but not when it comes to like likes and dislikes. I just, it's the weirdest thing to me. I just, I freeze up. I mean, dude, seriously, mm-hmm. ask me to do, ask me to open up Romans 8 and preach a sermon and I'll have something. I'll just do it. Right. It's like, but that, yeah. it's like, uh, does that guy know how to speak right now? And the answer is no, mm-hmm. I don't. So that's, that's my pet peeve. <laughs> Piper, I feel like you might be a little bit more of a pet peeve guy. Just a tad. Ronald. Oh. Just what are we working yes. with over there? I feel like this question was made for me. I feel so loved and known by the listener who submitted it. Um, <laughs> this is going to be a, a therapy session. Uh, Ronnie said he doesn't have a list of pet peeves. I do, actually. Not a written list, nice. but a, a, a daily list of things that I have to try hard not to be mad at. Um, okay. You know, it's very thematic in your life, Pipe, so we'll talk after the. Well, a- anger pause. is the easiest thing for me to arrive at in almost any situation. It's the easiest, like, strong emotion just oh i got annoyed okay that just happens real easy so pet peeves come easily so i decided to to narrow it down to just one um for the sake of time and everybody's enjoyment uh so internet influencers are a thing that Uh doesn't that's not really a pet peeve of mine because as long as the opportunity exists for people to take advantage of other people and try to get famous that's going to happen the pet (laughs) peeve is people who buy into that stuff, mm. you know, so yeah, describe. So I think last episode, uh, at the end of it, we talked about the, like being famous versus being skillful. And then we kind of talked a little bit about like the skill of getting famous mm-hmm. and the inability of the average person to, to see the difference between that person's good at stuff. And that person is good at looking like they're good at stuff drives mm. me nuts because it, what it does is it gives voice to idiots the, uh, ah. you know, people who are, are influential on products or on politics or on, you know, whatever, any, any, anything. So, you know, social justice simply because of their number of followers, all of which is gained by gadget and, and it's, it's all fake. And so my pet peeve 
is the people who follow influencers and actually pay attention to them. You know, I expect that out of my 12-year-old because she doesn't know yet what matters and what doesn't. When I see it from like a 26-year-old, it drives me absolutely nuts that they are taking cues from somebody with 800,000 Twitter or TikTok or whatever followers who has never done anything to deserve the attention of anybody. Okay, so I I totally agree. And I want to ask a follow-up question to you both as men of the cloth, a somewhat serious one. Like, what do you think is going on there in the heart? Like, there there is something, I, what I'm hearing is there's something in a person that makes them want to follow something. And, you know, we dangle this, you know, person with 800,000 TikTok followers or whatever in front of them, and they're, they're just um, slack-jawed in front of it. Like, why is that? What's going on there? Um, how do we, how, how do we sort of uh, build into our kids a bit more like thoughtfulness and discernment on this level? Either one of you. Yeah, can. I think. Well, I think discernment. I mean, that's it, isn't it? You know, I think like you know, it's so personality driven too. So you have the person mm-hmm. that is just they're they're kind of caught up in things that are you know entertainment based or trendy and man I I, mm-hmm. I I love this big bombastic thing that is everywhere that's easy to access that everybody's kind of that everybody's kind of glomming on to and there's something there's something fun about it or there's something that kind of you know that 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 there, there's something that that makes me want to be a part of it on some I don't know some some level and then there's the then there's the other guy that's like well because everybody likes it, I automatically just you know go the other way and I I don't I don't touch it so both both are like being influenced by something in particular but just in a different way um, but I think it's just discernment you know like I, I mean can we like how do what do we define as something worth following and worth listening to and worth receiving from that's going to you know sort of like benefit you know the, like our inner health our spiritual health i mean i that's what we're trying to teach our kids i mean that's what we're trying to teach our congregations right. and our students it's like go after the thing that's going to be most beneficial and enriching uh, to your soul and you know and occasionally eat a candy bar because that's good right so even that in and of itself is discerning um, but it, uh, yeah, I think you're talking about discernment. We have to teach discernment. It's not really taught as much. Well, yeah. And, and I think and on, is, as far as discernment goes, like giving people some basic questions to ask yeah. about what they're, what they're watching. So like when I ask my daughters, why, why do you like so-and-so whatever current, you know, they don't have social media, but they're around kids with it all the time. And so they're, you know, they're aware of all the same, whatever influencers whose names I don't know, mm-hmm. uh, and who will be gone in 15 minutes. They're just like, oh, they're so cool. Okay, that's not an answer. You didn't think through anything. All you did was express (laughs) the same energy that sucked you in in the first place. So, but when you start asking questions like, what are they, what are they telling you? Like, what are you gaining from Mm -hmm. this? What is, you know, what is Mm -hmm. the, what's the benefit of this? No answers whatsoever. And some of that's because they're 12 and 15 and don't know how to think that way just yet. But I think part of teaching discernment is teaching them how to think that way. Like, what are you gaining from this? What is the cost of the time versus the benefit of the time you're putting into these videos? And and so with influencers, the other question is like, what have they done to justify my attention? Yeah, you know, that's a great one. What what have they done? You know, so, and if and if you look at well, they have eight hundred thousand followers. 
That's not what they've done. That's what 800,000 people fell prey to. It's <laughs> not the same right. thing. So what is, what did they, what, what have they accomplished? What have they, what do they say on an ongoing basis? That's like, Oh, they're brilliant. You know, they, they're, they're contributing something. I think just some of those basic, and that, that's even outside the spiritual realm. That's this, that's true. Of like you want to, you want writing advice. Okay. Who, who is worth listening to? Who has done something worth listening to <laughs> right. that makes you go, Oh, that, that guy, like I see books all the time on Amazon. It's like, how to get published. And I look at it and I'm like, this person doesn't work in publishing and has never been published. They self-published this book on Amazon. Exactly. They don't listen to them. <laughs> that's it. That, that's, exactly. They're just selling you stuff. So yeah. I think it's just the current version of a snake oil salesman. You know, people used to go from like town to town and open up their case and sell little bottles of tincture and whatever. <laughs> this is just the Instagram, TikTok, whatever version of that stuff. Tincture, dude. Solid word. Mm. I actually just kind of like that word. Yeah, I kind of want to use that a um, lot today. I got so many meetings today. I'm going to drop that thing in there just judiciously. Just a lot of meetings, baby. Wow. Um, if you can get tincture into every meeting today, I think uh, that will be really my goal. Yeah, let's do that. Let's yeah. make that a little project. I'm going to write it down in the context it was used, and we can like we can rant about it next week. How did you? Oh, use that would be amazing, Solid, baby. Ronnie's yeah, a little homework for you. <laughs> just to put it to put to put a wrap on that topic, though. Don't don't you boys think there's a a real like market opportunity for actual talent and actual hustle? Like I think there's never been a better time to be a writer than now because everybody's so distracted by social media. I mean, everybody's trying to tweet 55 times a day instead of really caring about writing well. So, I mean, I think there's a there's a chance to to really do something um, if you can really develop a talent and really actually be good at something and um I don't know. There's there's some hopefulness in that, I guess, I, for me as a writer. I think, yeah, I think I think in some senses, if you take a step back, it's the same as it's always been in the in that yeah, um, yeah. hard work, doing the hard work of becoming skillful is is doesn't it never bears fruit as fast as cutting corners does. Yeah. Social media influencer is cutting corner to fame built on nothing. Same with yeah. like building a mega church on marketing as opposed to like on a meaningful ministry, anything that cuts corners, you get there faster, you get the gratification faster and you crumble faster. Whereas yeah. if you can build a, a, uh, you know, a portfolio of written work, that's just substantial through and through you, you might not sell as much, but the, the contribution you made to every single person who like, you can stand behind it. Right. Every single one of these influencers is runs the risk of, you know, 30 years down the road going, yeah, that wasn't about anything. Exactly. Whereas my yeah, guess is what you about. write, what Ronnie writes, what I write 30 years from now, we're going to go, I might write it a little differently, but I'm really glad I did it. I meant yeah, it. Yeah, man, I hope so. Absolutely. I hope so. Well, Pipe, we've done what we always do on this program in that we've wandered to and fro throughout a few topics submitted by listeners again. Thank you to the best listeners in radio. We appreciate what you do. And until next time. The Happy Rant is brought to you by Resonate Recordings. If you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see what they can do to help you launch and improve your podcast.
Often we believe our questions mean we don't have faith, but I believe Jesus loves our questions. Our questions are windows into heaven. I'm Caden Fabrizio, and on the Questions with Caden podcast, we ask and answer one question per episode as relevantly and biblically as possible. Questions about fear, anxiety, depression, addiction, and so much more. Don't worry, your questions, they're not going to scare Jesus, so ask away. Listen and subscribe now at lifeaudio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.